0: All right. Welcome back everybody to tabletop and beyond. Justin is not with us today. He is out and busy but we've got some guests on the show. We got uh, Dan John Lincoln. welcome guys.
1: Welcome thanks for having us.
0: Yeah good, good to have you good. Lincoln Lincoln. Lincoln and John and myself we played uh, uh, really we played a really fun RPGs uh, this uh, past weekend the aliens RPG from Free League Publishing. so that's that's what we're gonna hit and talk about today. Um, but, uh, before we get going with that, we're going to go ahead and start with some geek week activity. So Dan, how was your geek week?
2: It's pretty good. Uh, reunited with an old RPG group. We hadn't been, uh, we hadn't played for months. This was my previous, uh, Star Trek Klingon empire group, but we kind of played through that and felt good about it. And, And now we're now I'm not GMing and I'm, uh, a player in our Shadows of the Beanstalk game. So it's one of those things where everybody had really powerful characters when we ended. So we're all starting with different characters that will interact with the new characters going forward. So it's always one of those tricky things where you don't want to pick up immediately exactly where you left off. You still want that feeling of of growth when you start a campaign, so that's great. I've also decided to host bigger gaming days at my house. Um, I've got two yeah. that I want to do. The first one is going to be in May um, next to May the 6th or May the 4th. May the 4th fourth be, be with you. So yep. Saturday, May 6th. And um, I've developed a narrative that links the Star Wars Age of uh, Rebellion uh, role-playing game with uh, X-Wing, with Star Wars Legion and with Star Wars Armada as a big conclusion. And um, I've come up with kind of a storyline that if you anywhere along the ways, when you start failing in one, it's going to have a negative impact on the resources that you're going to have to get through the end of the scenario. And I'm Mm -hmm. hoping there's some very meaningful uh, one shot character deaths. And I'm just uh, I found myself I'm surrounded by these uh, competitive game systems. I've invested in Armada. I've invested in X-Wing and I've been dipping my toes in Legion. I'm not competitive in any of them. So I think uh, my calling in life is to do very more. narrative it's my calling in life is to do more narrative and I think I'll do so I'll do big Star Wars thing once a year, year May, May yeah, year.
0: so I'm really I'm really excited about this. you posted something about this in our uh, our discord so it's gonna be crossing like three or four different game systems on one day four? four four and one so this is really awesome so. I'm curious to see like cuz RPGs are typically, you know, uh like all the players are kind of working together, right? When you get mm-hmm. to like the, you know, the X-wing and the Armada and the Legion, how's that going to how are you going to do that with players?
2: Um it's going to be like everybody gets me um pretty much. So okay. it'll be scenario driven instead of whoever kills the most guys, we're not doing that. It's going to be you have to get the objective and everybody who died along the ways Along the way, if you fail to get that objective, that's one less thing you're going to be able to, mm-hmm. to feed into the next big, big battle. The idea is big set pieces. Everything is a big set piece. And the RPG is just going to be the sinew things that kind of you kind of fill the gaps between the big battle set pieces when you're like, oh, hey, somebody needs to we want to do something here. And, and I was and I'm not expecting that as the GM. So. I, I believe that um, if I play the rebellion era, I will be able to find a character that has a card in X-Wing and a card in Armada and a card mm. in, a, or a, a analog in Legion and an, not an exact one for one in Legion. There would be one or two, but I'm going to stay away from the movie, the movie characters. So um, it'll be side, side characters, uh, you know, BC string folks in the background one-liners yeah
0: i've been looking for an excuse to build a legion uh legion army so (laughs) sign me up all right
2: (laughs) it's going to be space limited i'm going to buy everybody lunch and buy everybody dinner and go 9 a.m to 9 p.m and just just have a have a great time with it and then walk away and have it be done
0: yeah sweet
2: Continue. I also. This is my third quick little item. I've decided to go to Kubecon in San Francisco at the end of May. So my brother Nate and I, I went to Kubecon for the first time in 2006 and haven't been back. So it's been a good 17 years. I'm looking forward to it. You've
0: talked about it a lot that uh, you really enjoyed your your one trip out there. So well, it'll be interesting to see how much it's grown. Is it in the same place or is it is it a different yeah,
2: venue? In the same place. I think they've grown out to a couple other. Venues additionally, but it's basically the core of it is in the Hyatt Regency near SFO, like right next to SFO. So, um, the nice thing about that is the hotel is where you game for a big chunk of it, so that's that's kind of cool. Um, and because my wife scheduled our 20th anniversary couples cruise right on top of Gen Con, Gen Con is <laughs> out, she's like, Well, you can still go and do a day and a half, and I'm like, I'm not gonna do a day and a half at Gen Con. You could do all set all Thursday and a little bit. I'm, no, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna just gonna give it a miss this
0: year. Yeah. Well, at least you're gonna get a good convention in with uh with a with a family member this year. So that I'm yeah, a little... and
2: I might take my ten year old son.
0: Oh, oh, nice, nice. See
2: nice.
0: how that goes. All right, Dan, uh, John, what about you, man? How's
1: your Geek Week? Uh, so I've been uh, <laughs> struggling lately to get stuff in, but I have been uh, lately. So uh, one of the things that I kind of um tried to get my kids have really been into like the star wars clone wars um uh, animated series and they loved it they've watched all seven seasons and everything they're constantly telling me i should watch it and so i started watching some of it but when bad batch came out a year ago i kind of jumped into that when it did and so this week i kind of caught up on the latest of season two of bad batch and that's been a lot of fun uh to watch to um uh, it focuses a lot on kind of the aftermath of Order 66, right? Um, and it specifically follows like the Bad Batch, which was introduced, I guess, in the Clone Wars. Um, and I'm still trying to catch up on all of that stuff, and someday I will. But, but it's been a lot of fun uh, to see kind of the the <laughs> Bad Batch and what they're doing, how they're surviving. Because um, I don't know if, how familiar you guys are with the Bad Batch, but they're basically a bunch of like defect clones, right? And so because they were defect clones they're like a little weird they're a little different than the uh, other clones and they weren't affected or they they weren't affected by order 66 Hmm. Uh, so they didn't pull the trigger right kind of thing and so now they're and bad batch is essentially a story uh, you know the story of how they're trying to survive in a post order 66 uh world where they're no longer part of the empire um and how they're surviving and stuff and it's interesting to see kind of the you see little bits and pieces of what's changing with the empire. And uh, for example, one of the things that they've talked about is how clones are being replaced and stormtroopers are coming in and, and things like that. And so it's been fascinating. So I've enjoyed that. I'm caught up and I wouldn't watch that with my kids. Um, the other thing I did this week um, actually started today. Um, m- me and my kids have played through uh, Lord of Rings journeys in middle earth. Uh, the first campaign. Um, I finished that, we finished that a while ago, um, and then kind of put it on the shelf. But I, uh, I was like, Hey, you guys want to start the next campaign. And so we did that. We started the next, the second campaign that came out with the game hunt for the Ember crown. Um, we just played through the first scenario today, but it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we decided to play, even though it's just three of us, we decided to do five characters. So we're running a couple characters mm. thing. Um, so we could get the full effect of a full party. Um, but that, that game's been a lot of fun.
0: This is the yeah. uh,
1: digital one, right? Yeah, it comes, yeah it's run by the digital the app. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Do you have the um, miniatures?
3: It's got pretty good miniatures too, right?
1: Yeah, it does. It's I've got all the expansions and everything. There was uh, two major expansions plus a couple of miniature packs for some of the baddies. Um, and there's six total campaigns that have been released for it. Um, I've only played, obviously, a couple of them, but but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot have of fun. You painted the, mini really the
3: miniatures cool. for it or no?
1: Say again. Have you
3: painted the miniatures or no?
1: No, I uh <laughs> I am not a painter at this moment in time, so I have not uh um attempted that. Well, you've done a Legion army. Uh, I i <laughs> attempted a unit or put put that way. I, I i have like a half finished stormtrooper unit that I was done.
2: It was Journeys of Middle earth that got me into painting because I just couldn't handle those guys being unpainted. And now I look at my paint jobs on them, and I want to repaint a, a lot of them. I've See, already that's that's re- what I'm afraid of. I've Early already said a another thing. But right? that's okay. I I just I just used it as my laboratory because I'm like this game is better with them painted than with them gray, just because it's it's just you know Middle Earth. You know, it doesn't yeah. look as plasticky. Yeah, or- that's
1: my ultimate goal is to try and get to the point where I I feel comfortable starting to do that, but uh, I'm not quite there yet. The day will come,
2: John. I have faith that's in you. Nice.
1: I think a, I think a campaign game where you're sticking with a couple of
3: characters is a great great way to jump in because you can just focus on painting those two guys, right? Yeah, and then paint them as you play them and uh, anyways, we're we're all encouraging you, John
1: yeah, yeah, definitely yeah I hear that <clears throat> yeah
0: i i, I the, I've only painted one board games uh, of miniatures myself, and that was my deep madness. and I started by painting all the monsters. and then after I painted all the monsters, I was like, Wait a minute. Um, models that are painted roll better than models that aren't. I haven't painted <laughs> any of the character models. <laughs> <You're> doomed. <laughs> so, I'm doomed. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I had to go back and paint them too. But uh, yeah. Cool. All right, John. Thanks, man. Lincoln, what about you, man? How's your week?
3: So I've been uh, I'm playing Frostgrave with a local guy here at Huzzah on Tuesdays. And uh, Frostgrave is a game I played maybe like eight years ago at uh, Adepticon, and just had a really great time doing it. Those of you that are not familiar with Frostgrave, it's sort of like a D&D tabletop miniatures game, if you will, where each character, each player plays a wizard, and uh, you select a school of magic, you have an apprentice, and then you, there's treasures on the board. You build a war band with eight other miniatures, so every player has 10 miniatures total. You have a war band with two wizards. And you cast magic spells at each other, some different schools of magic, some you're good at, some you're not so good at. You start with eight spells and you can unlock grimoires as you're playing. Um, it's just a ton of fun. And it plays on a, a, t- a miniatures table, like a three by three, and you're not allowed to have more than 12 inches of mm. free line of sight. So there's lots of terrain, lots of trees, lots of buildings, it's very Mordheim-esque. Uh, it's a really cool game. So I've been playing that on Tuesdays now regularly and then I'm building some uh, Stormcast. My AOS for um, ITC competitive play this year is going to be focused on Stormcast and my dwarfs. So, dwarfs would be Cities of Sigmar and also the Fire Slayers. So, I've been building some uh, Vanguard Paladors, which are uh, some mounted Stormcast models that throw javelins. So, I've been building those this week.
1: Interesting. Um, and then I
3: played a little bit of Warcry with Justin and got my butt kicked on Saturday before our aliens game. <laughs> it's actually and a really he, close game, but uh just can't beat that guy. <laughs> yeah. He's
2: getting F- ready for Adepticon. He's he's sharpening his axe. Was he playing the
0: uh, was he playing his list that he wants to take to Adepticon? I'm not
3: sure. He was playing Untamed Beast. I don't I'm sure what he's
0: taking. I don't think that's his list, yeah.
3: I don't he wasn't playing real hard mode on me. It was just, you know, I had two chances to win. I had two chances to win and I couldn't roll what I needed to to pull it off both times so
0: yeah yeah we started doing a uh, tabletop and beyond we started hosting a uh, war cry night at huzzah hobbies in uh, in yeah. Virginia uh, every other Monday and it started to grow we're getting we've got a a, a few more people that that show up I feel like every week so so yeah, hopefully yeah, we'll yeah. keep that going I remember there used to be an AOS night there before uh, kind of covid kind of slowed everything down. So they obviously there's always 40k. Yeah, Yeah.
3: they still play a lot on Wednesday nights.
0: Yeah, AOS on Wednesday nights. AOS
3: Wednesday nights, AOS and 40k. But there's usually two or three tables at least of of some AOS going on too.
0: Nice, 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 cool. Yeah, well, my uh, my Geek Week, I uh, I traveled a lot this week for work. Uh, Been traveling a lot for work, but was still able to work in an aliens RPG. Uh and man I was cramming for that RPG too. I was like everywhere I was like I was like sitting in the car at my daughter's volleyball practice like you know reading and like writing things down but I was able to squeeze it in and we had a nice we had a nice um gosh man it probably we 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 all start you know how it is you know everybody gets together around 6 and you don't really probably start playing until 6 40 really cuz everyone's shooting the breeze and catching up right. And we played till like 12:30 right? Yeah, we that night, we just pushed through because we, we crammed two acts down into one one session, uh, but it was fun. But we'll get to that when we get to our main topic. Um, but before we do that, <clears throat> let's uh, slide, uh, slide over into our next segment.
2: Welcome to Tabletop and Beyond News. That
0: was
1: really well done.
2: Oh, I'm trying. It's only taken me a hundred episodes to get <laughs> to a well getting, done.
1: You Skip. moved the needle just a hair. Yeah, it's yeah
3: like- I like I like the head bobbing
2: though. I think that gives. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. It was lost when when we were doing MP3 only podcast. Oh, that was lost. yeah, that
1: head bopping was still happening.
2: Yeah, it was all here. It was. I was. If you listen real moment. closely,
1: you can kind of hear it.
2: Yeah, yeah. You can hear you can hear my pompadour hit the microphone. That's for sure. Um hot on the heels of the uh, post um, OGL news, we do have a uh, a, a company uh, called Demiplane who will be putting out a digital platform for third party publishers for 5e. So um, you're, it'll be like a full digital tool set is what they're going for. Something very similar to D&D and beyond for folks who, who are no longer directly using uh, Wizards of the Coast tool sets. So they're going to come out and they're going to it's going to come out in three different phases or stages. Stage one is the pre-launch. You, it'll help, you know, put together your group and, and just some basic group connection stuff. Stage two, um, they're going to have advanced digital tools for game books and multiple independent publishers. So if there's an independent publisher who's putting out really great uh, fifth edition stuff, and if they put their things on playing, you will have access to to those digital books in that way. And the stage three, which is coming a little later down, down the pike, that will have an independent character creator component. And you'll be able to plug in your, your third-party game books to create your own um, special version of um, of your 5e character. And so what Demi playing, their goal is, is to really um, um, create a digital intermediary place that will allow um, the third-party publishers to have a, a similar experience to those folks who have been used to playing D&D Beyond in the third-party space. So um kudos to them it looks like they're going to be mobile enabled and, and very app enabled so folks who love fifth edition and can't wait to jump on board with their different third-party publishers will have uh, won't be left in the cold when it comes to uh, a digital uh home for for your uh, for your stuff yeah um, they've they uh denny Plain has partners with at the avatar legends game pathfinder Marvel multi universe role playing game, Vampire the Masquerade, Hunter, um, Alien and Mutant. So um, it's not just, this is not just a one off thing that's designed to just focus on the fifth edition uh, independent publishers, but there are other publishers who are also using the demiplane uh, tool sets. So uh, pretty cool. Um, uh, Good for them. And uh, we wish them all the best.
0: Yeah, this will be, you know, I I love books and physical things in my hand, but I have softened my heart a little bit. Uh, when we did the Ram of the Frostmaiden campaign completely online using D&D Beyond, it did soften my heart towards digital tools for role-playing games, for yeah. sure.
3: I, I really, really enjoy D&D Beyond actually. I'm, I, I know not everybody's a fan, but I really am sure. a fan of it. Yeah, it's
0: great. Yeah, just the concept, and forget about the company, but just for you know, the concept of having all of that information and material extremely accessible to you know, access the game kind of in real time. That was that was nice,
2: right? Yeah. Uh, our second item of news is Homeworld. I don't know if you all remember the real time strategy um, space combat armada scale game called Homeworld from the early 2000s. They have a Kickstarter out on, I'm um, sorry, they have a Kickstarter for a board game out that's being published by Modifius, who I have a soft spot for. Mm-hmm. They have great Modifius project products that I'm looking at on my shelf right now. The, point of this uh once again it's another fleet based battle game uh it's going to be mission oriented much like the video game and much like the video game it looks like it's going to be very fast paced very easy ways to keep track of your damage and which ships are doing well and who's dead and who's alive and stuff like that i've walked through the uh, online tutorial a few times and my life is full of Full gentlemen, full of tabletop fleet-based space <laughs> games. And man, I'm still linger my eyes are lingering at that at that Kickstarter. Because I I would have gotten a higher GPA in grad school had Homeworld never come out. Oh
0: dude, Homeworld was such a gorgeous game too, man. The vistas and uh, just beautiful sound, game. So if you had so a fun. decent
2: sound system, it was mind-blowingly good. Yeah, I remember
0: the the first time I was exposed to Homeworld, I was actually traveling uh, for an early job and uh, had a work computer. And I was like, dude, I want something to do on this like really long plane. I was traveling across country. So I downloaded the Homeworld like demo, which lets you play like three battles. And I just played those three battles over and over again for like five hours on the plane. (laughs) It was just so much fun.
2: (laughs) There was something, there was some charm about that game. I've never played any one that specifically that has felt like Homeworld since then. Um, But there's a board game now, and it looks like it's um, looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Like at all Kickstarters, there's lots of expansions. Um, And of course, if the, the higher you go, the more little plastic spaceships you'll have. I don't think if I bought these, I would paint them because I think the the plastic yeah. and color kind of goes to the, uh, the aesthetic, in fact. Um, so, but I'm, I'm very interested. There's about 12 days left left on the Kickstarter and I'll get down to the last 48 hours. I'll, I'll start getting the Kickstarter sweat. <laughs> it's like you get the meat sweats, you know, and you've had too much steak. You're like, I don't know if I can live without this. I don't know if I can live without this. So I'm, um, I think it's great. So uh it's cool to see a a, a property that uh is getting a lot of love and attention they are going to work on doing um uh since modifius also owns the role-playing game for homeworld uh i think they're working on some sinew products between the two between the board game and the uh and the role-playing game and frankly it would be hard to play the role-playing game without millions of little spaceships if it's anything like the. Like the mm. the the original video game, so that's Homeworld. It's on Kickstarter, and uh, yeah, I got an itchy trigger finger when it comes to uh, certain things, and that 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 one, the Siren Song of Homeworld, is calling my name.
0: You do have a lot of um, kind of fleet based space games. Then I think about it,
2: so many. I've got Battle Stations. I got X Wing. I just too many. I have too many, but still, there's still one more I don't have.
0: Yes. It's like I ice cream. You, There's Dan. always room for more.
1: I feel <laughs> you, Dan. I'm that way with like Civ type games. I love yeah. Civ games.
2: Yeah. You, you don't feel like they're yours until you, you have them in your in your own hands. So, Well, keeping it real light on the news. Uh, those are two topics. They aren't all RPG based. I'm trying not to do 100% RPG news. I'm doing the best I can to, to have more balance. And Justin's not here to tell us whatever whatever's going on with games workshop
0: With games workshop yes (laughs) (laughs) because he always weasels one in there yeah no matter what the topic is we
2: we have wonderful games workshop listeners to this podcast i say hello to all of them and we're grateful to have them and and uh i i've become a games workshop buyer and and i i've i've got stuff now so i'm
0: uh we're all fans yeah we're all fans. Yeah. Looks like we had Lincoln had a little bit of technical difficulties. Hopefully we'll get him back in here in a little bit in yeah. the show. But for now we'll uh we'll push forward. Is that it for news, Dan?
2: That's it for the news.
0: All right, man. Here we go. Let's jump to our main topic. So main topic was Aliens RPG from Free League Publishing. So let me just do a little bit of an introduction here. I'm gonna share my screen again. Uh let me pull up the right window here. Uh okay. And we'll just close that. So Free League, Free League is a company that we talk about a lot, right? We love them, not only because they make really awesome uh, content, but they also have beautiful artwork that goes along uh, with their system with their game systems. They have lots of games uh, up right now. Some of them that uh, that you may have heard of, uh, maybe not in game form, is Tales from the Loop, which turned into an Amazon Amazon, right? It was Amazon Prime or yeah, series which is uh, based off of an art book. They took an art book from an artist, and uh, I think a Norwegian artist was either Norwegian. Yeah, I think it was Norwegian, and uh, turned it into a game, and then that made its way into a television series. Uh, they've done some five E stuff with uh, 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 Lord of the Rings, um, Twilight two thousand, um, uh, Mort Borg. It, a lot of people familiar with that has kind of an indie feel. The alien one, which we're going to talk about, I'm just going to let their banner uh, swipe for us, right? It does the, does the work here, <laughs> but uh, anyways, a lot of lot of really cool um, stuff that they've done, and the one of their most recent ones, which has gotten a lot right there, is the Blade Runner RPG, <laughs> role. Um, and and that's another one, John and Dan, that we've got a we've got to throw down on the table, right? So I think several of us actually. Um, have uh the bought into that went into that kickstarter and have the books and the uh even the starter we probably have three I went or four the, starter sets the
2: kickstarter, but i haven't gotten my book yet
0: oh really <laughs> oh dude have i gotta reach out? out
2: to our contact i feel like a, sh- a schmo i think i might, might just, have just buy it there. twice i might just buy it twice because i feel terrible about it
0: uh dude i would just reach out man but uh I'll yeah reach out. i mean i got um they were kind of the, the, the fulfillment for that was a little wonky like People were getting it um, kind of all over the place. Um, I had people that were just down the street from me that got it uh, like a month before I did. So,
2: I, know, I never I, got the email inviting me to the um, backer kit.
0: Oh, interesting. well, so, interesting. That might be why you didn't get your book. Maybe. Anyways, something for you to to work, work
2: there on the side. If it doesn't, but, uh, they can have my money. I like those guys <laughs> enough. I like them enough. They can just have my money. If I don't get off my own keister and get a hold of the thing I actually paid money for, it's, I'm, I'm literally helping them kickstart. I'm go funding them, you know?
0: It's good stuff. Um, But the one that we're going to talk about tonight is alien, the role-playing game. And this one actually has its own. If you come here and go to alien, this one actually has its own um, uh, website uh, that you go to. And we'll pull that up here in just a second. But um, one of the things I wanted to show here right at the beginning is just kind of a little bit of the quality that these guys provide to their community. So if I click the Free League uh, Alien and then I go to the downloads, you can see some of the stuff that's available uh, here for you to download. Uh, and I wanted to click on some of these maps so you can get the feel here. So let's click on uh, on Haley's Hope, Hadley's Hope, right? Which is the famous uh, settlement from uh, LV246, right? From the uh, Aliens. Alien and Aliens movie, right? It's
2: Newt's house.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, Newt. Uh, but if you look here, it's just the aesthetic, right? Like it really filled, it really just, they did a, such a good job capturing what you would feel when you watch those movies, right? It's supposed to be like a, the sci-fi, the 80s science fiction future, right? So it's those old, you know, the old keyboards and the terminals. And before they really had a conception of what we have as modern technology today, Um, and all of the maps that come, um, in these sets are really, really high quality that you can throw down on the table. And, and John, I mean, you were there, right? Like what did, what was your impression of like the, just the quality of the, the actual material that was there for us?
1: Well, I like it a lot. Um, I actually have the starter set, so I have one of those maps, um, that comes in there and I mean, it's, it's pretty thick paper, right? It's not like a flimsy little, it doesn't feel like it's going to easily rip or anything. Uh, So just the material itself feels very good and very thick in comparison to some other stuff that I've had in the past. And then again, like you said, the aesthetics is really cool looking. It definitely feels um, like it fits in the alien universe, right? And it kind of gives you that vibe going in to kind of help set the mood and the setting.
0: Yeah, here, I'm going to hold it up to my camera so you can just kind of see, you know, this is a nice, um, let's see, there we go, a nice, you know, map of that. I could just throw on the table and the players could see this. And I mean, they really did, right? They were, they were standing over the table, had their fingers on the blueprint. They're like, well, if we take this, if we take this alley, it'll take us back here. We can go through this fuel tank and there's, you know, it looks like maybe there's a service hatch over there. So they really got that feeling of, Man, we've got to find a way to crawl through this place to avoid like all of the nasties that are around us. Um, so they I think you know they're really commit this company is really committed to uh making material and content that um that uh captures that immersion uh uh for their players there. But uh the the one that we played was called um Heart of Darkness is the one that they just came out with. The one that we played is actually called, let's see if they have it here destroyer of worlds. So that's a cinematic module. Um, and that's what we played, uh, uh, and we'll dive into that. But before we do, let's talk a little bit about, um, maybe what, um, sets, sets this system apart from something like a 5e or, or just a standard, you know, like D20 style system there. So what, um, you know, I don't know, Dan, if you have, uh you've obviously played lots of different systems over the time you've been playing role-playing games since before really polyhedral dice were involved uh, in them right <laughs> no
2: we had them but uh they were a lot harder to come by let's yeah. just say that you the what you got in your uh D box had to last you throughout a lot of games
0: yeah and this one is a um it is a D6 system, right? It is not a D20-based system. Um, and I think a lot of people, maybe when they first hear that, think, wait, role-playing with without a D20? Um, and I think... Uh,
2: hey, D6 systems, that was my first system in 1988. was a D6-only yeah. system. So it's been around a few decades.
0: Yeah. I mean, back in the day when uh, Dungeons & Dragons was first coming out, sure, like the, you know... The D sixes is what you would yank the dice out of your monopoly box, right. To apply yeah. it to a, a, you know, a much better purpose, but, uh, just, it's so much, so much more accessible for a lot of people. So, uh, on one hand, I think, um, it was fun to go back to a system for a little bit that was just using that base dice that we grew up with as little kids. Um, but, uh, so John, what are your thoughts on, um, you know,
1: how, how this system worked versus a normal D 20 system? So it's interesting having played D and D for most of my uh, RPG career, so to speak, um, or life. Um, you know, I hadn't played a, a ton of other systems until the last couple of years, um, but it, it, I think actually this is the first time in a while that I've been back to like a straight up D six system. Um, but it was interesting, and. Uh, One of the things that I liked about it was the fact that one, not only is it just D6, so I just have to make sure I have a bunch of D six. Uh, but any kind of modifiers you get during the during the game, whether it be a minus two, plus two, things like that, really it just meant it's that many less or more dice that you roll for a skill check or 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 whatever that you're Mm -hmm. doing. And so it was pretty easy once you kind of realize, okay, so I'm a minus two now for the next round on this. Okay. Well, I just take out two dice, right? Or I get a plus two because I'm aiming, right? Okay, that means, you know, instead of having to, like, all right, I roll, figure it out, and then add plus two to that, right? And so it was much simpler, I think. Uh, A lot less math involved. You just had to roll the dice, and then you're just looking for a symbol, right? You're just looking for a six. As long as you get a six, you're good, right? Like, that's all you needed. Um, So uh, I thought it was pretty, pretty, it was, for me, at least, it was, it was, much simpler um, and kind of um, a nice change of, of pace compared to what I, you know, the D20 systems that I'm used to.
0: Yeah. So uh, just to summarize there, right? So as you can see, I pulled up the starter box set. It, uh, it, as a lot of games do, come with kind of themed dice, but at the end of the day, they're just D6s, right? With like a symbol on either the six or a symbol on the one. Um, when you roll for a skill, you look and you add up your attribute and the skill, and to put both those numbers together, and that's just how many d six you roll. So if you have like a if you have a three in, um you know in uh, in uh, uh, wit and a uh, two in observation, three plus two is five. So you just roll five d six, and you're just looking for a single six, right? So yep. if you get one six, you have succeeded. Any additional sixes do things called stunts, which means you can maybe you get a little bit more information. Uh, and that's, you kind of work with the GM on that with in combat, it's much easier. It's, you can use stunts to just add an additional point of damage or do fun story stuff. Like, um, you know, maybe I shoot, uh, shoot, uh, the pistol out of his hand and you can use the extra stunts to do just that stunts. Right. But you just got to get that one D six, uh, to succeed. Um, the, um, but, uh, so John, let me ask you a question. Do you, you know, having played D and D or a D 20 systems for most, most of your gaming life. um, Do you feel that the simplification kind of, did it do any, did it have a negative or a positive effect on your experience in immersion and role-playing?
1: Just in in role-playing in general, I don't think it really, I would say it didn't really change that for me. Um, What I, what I do like specifically about this system was the stress dice. And we haven't really talked about that yet, but I felt like that really helped me with the immersion of the feel of what Alien is or what I, I think Alien is.
0: Yeah, so if you look over here, I'm kind of moving the picture a little bit, but oh, that's not what I wanted to do. There we go. Over here on the left side, you get the black dice and those ship with the original box and they just have a little nice little like target reticle on the six, which means I got a success. Over here on the right, you get these yellow, which also have a target radical on the six because the six is a success, but they also have a face hugger symbol on the one. And whenever you roll, um, whenever you roll a skill check, you have to look at how much stress does my character currently have? And you measure stress in little like points, like tick boxes. And if you have two stress, you throw in two additional stress dice in that skill role. So like in the example I gave you before, where if I had, let's say a wit of three, an observation of two and the GM set, or the, they, they don't call them GM, sorry. They call them mothers. If the mother actually said, you need to give me an observation roll," I would add those two numbers together. But then if my character had two stress, just because of, you know, how the situation has been going, I throw two yellow die in as well. So I actually have a greater chance to get success because I'm throwing more dice that can give me a six. But those two yellow dice can also potentially throw a one, which is the face hugger. And if they throw a one, then you have to roll on a panic table because it's like, oh, something got to me in that situation. So as you uh, as you play the game and you get lots of stress, stress is coming in left and right in this game. You start to build that stress pull. And so it kind of it starts to make the panic rolls a lot more meaningful um, as the game uh, goes on. I thought that was a really cool. Another system we have played that's kind of like this is uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord, which has banes and boons, mm-hmm. where you throw a d6 in or take a you know throw a good d6 in or throw a bad d6 in, depending on whether you have a bane or a boon. So kind of that simple math uh, that's there. Dan, what are your thoughts on on this kind of a system so
2: far? Um, they're great for quick action, and I think Alien is a really good fit for that. Um, and um, it lends itself to not getting tripped up in too many feats and talents and different things that suspend the rules too quickly. It's more like, Hey, we, we have to do this thing right now. I I, I think that the game system can really add to a sense of urgency Um, and having pretty much a D six, which is kind of like, 1980s dice quite frankly that's the you know yeah <laughs> you know the 1980s movie uh, you know there's there's something about that that has a that has the right kind of feel um uh quick and dirty in in an when you're trying to maintain the sense of urgency and fear the system can't get in the way where everybody's kind of mm. lawyering and book diving and going well in this yeah. situation I think, you know, such and such would apply. That that can be the death of a of um, a role playing game.
0: Yeah, to a counterpoint though that I I think, you know, you probably are thinking of too is that uh it is great for quick and dirty let's get make sure the system doesn't get in the way of fast combat and action, but um if you are playing maybe and to be fair, we only play this in in uh, kind of a fast play mode, which is a cinematic mode. There is a campaign version of the game where you play a longer game that has more leveling and that kind of stuff. And I, and I don't have, I can't I don't have any experience with it, but I'd be curious on if you might start to feel limited in your ability to kind of tweak your character over time. Um, That's with,
2: usually uh, where those games struggle. Yeah. Right. There's some games that have enough um, design space and headroom for the characters to, to grow and to have the game mechanics reflect unique character growth and character power curve growth. Um, Sometimes when you jump into these, like you should clearly make a direct comparison to the aliens role playing game to mothership. I mean, Oh, totally. Frankly, you would have a very similar, and the way that the games are laid out quite frankly is similar in, in in some very substantive ways which mothership wants you to don't fuss about your character creation just get in that character may die you may need another one quick grab two grab three let's play with mothership aliens probably is a little bit more nuanced from what i can see by uh going over the materials even though i haven't played um what are your thoughts
0: i think it is mothership is definitely a just get in there play have fun um they both follow the same theme, and they both say this in in their in their books, right? So then the Alien um, rule book, uh, in the Mothership rule book, which is Mothership is more of an indie publisher, so it's really like a, 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 a zine style, you know, like a stapled booklet kind of a thing, right? Both of them say very much in there: don't roll if you don't have to roll right it's not about rolling the dice if you don't have to roll it don't just make your players roll the dice just to roll the dice right cuz you yeah and fail forward they're all about failing forward you know if there's a failure move the story forward it doesn't matter i would say though that alien uh aliens um it it at least in the campaign mode which we played in it plays i think just as fast as mothership i think it plays just as deadly if not actually deadlier when you get to the xenomorphs i think the xenomorphs are incredibly deadly uh in this game i think the aliens and the monstrosities that are in mothership are also very deadly but i think the um the uh um the overlord or the mother or whatever you want to call has a little more freedom in how they control the, uh, the monstrosities in mothership where in aliens, there's, there's kind of an, obviously behind the GM screen or behind the screen, you can do whatever you want. But if you kind of play the system, there's kind of an AI that those xenomorphs are driven against. And the really the only choice that the mother has, if you want to stay true to the system is to really kind of choose which character the aliens going after. But once you choose which character the is going after, there's actually a, a D6 table you roll on that says what the alien is going to do to that character at that given time. Um, but I'm getting a little I'm getting a little off of of what you were asking there. Um, I think that both systems are meant to play really fast. Um, they're meant not to get in the way. I have never played Mothership where anyone has really survived past one setting. <laughs> um, aliens. Hasn't gone too much further beyond that, but that's the type of GM I am. I'm a horror GM where I want everyone to have an epic conclusion, and it may be an epic horrible conclusion, but it's going to be epic, right? So, I'd be curious to try this. That would be
2: my my number one question as somebody who is very interested in playing this game and maybe want. Usually, when I'm interested in in a game like this, I end up buying it, right? Which is, am I buying a hardbound book or or a starter kit? If I'm buying the hard pound book, am I am I or, am I gonna have the same character for three or four or five episodes?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
2: and is the jury out on that? I mean, you guys have played it. What do you think? What do you so think? John?
1: Yeah, so my take on that would be it really would depend on uh and, and so Jason kind of mentioned earlier that there's two kind of ways you can play this game, right? There's the, the cinematic mode, uh, which is what um we've been playing. Uh, and those are really kind of short kind of three act kind of stories meant to kind of mimic the flow of like the, the films, right. Um, really meant to be, you know, kind of a, have a start or to finish. Um, it may or may not be finished in a single session, right. It might take a couple sessions to finish. I think the, this one that we did, Jason, it took us a total of two sessions to get through the three acts. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And so you can kind of think about it as a, as a one shot, two shot kind of thing, right? But it's very cinematic. You're playing set characters. You're not making your own in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, versus campaign mode where you are making, you are rolling your own character, right? And it's meant to be a longer kind of like a traditional campaign kind of thing where you are going through multiple sessions uh, and you're taking your character through that progression. Um, now, I don't have any experience with that mode of play in the system, yeah. so I am curious, having played the cinematic one, and we'll talk, I'm sure, more about it later, but I am very curious to know and to look into how character progression works, you know, when you make your own, and what that looks like, and does it feel satisfying, and does it fit?
0: Yeah.
2: And I think I think what you get in a role-playing game like this, which you, you don't get in Mothership because it's zine style is you get all of the lore that goes along with how many films are we up to six films and who knows how many other novels and other media. So it's a really deep. Well, if you want to do more complex stories that tie in Prometheus, you could really get into some head teaser stuff that could be just as complex as playing the Dune RPG, quite frankly, because Dune really doesn't have that many movies to sit down and watch. Yeah. Like you could go, you could watch all the aliens movies, and then, as a as a mother or a GM rather, come up with some a really interesting take. Well, what happened with that thing in the off in the background? Boy, there's a whole adventure there. Let's try that out. You know.
0: Yeah. Look at um. This is I'll hold it up to the camera. Right. So this this is the rule book that comes with the starter set. Right. Yeah. This big hardback one is the one you can buy that it's has. Cool. And, and this has all the rules. The entire rest of this big fat book is lore. Is the lore. I mean, is lore. It is yeah. awesome. I mean, I sat there for days at night before bed just <laughs> reading that thing, right? And then rewatching the movies and being like, I know what that's about now, you know? And and I tell you this, though, I used to have a really big, and we had a show, well, it's probably been a year ago now where, and John, I think you were on that show with us where we talked about all that, our aliens movies. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't you, John. I think uh, we did wasn't have a on that one, but I it do was, remember it. It was, uh, yeah, I think it was, um, um, another, uh, fan we had on though, but it was, we talked through all the alien movies. We rated them in order and I had a pro I've had problems with alien covenant, but when I read this book, it softened. I'll say this again. It, it softened my heart towards alien covenant. I think the people in alien covenant are still di- uh, imbeciles, right? They're, they're, they're just idiots, but, um, But what was happening with like the black goo and how it was atomized in the air, uh, you know, and the fungus aspects of it, um, you know, and that like that stuff is all like there's a lot of explanation about why that is inside of this rulebook. So if you really even if you aren't going to play the role playing game, you don't have a group there, but you love the Alien franchise. This rulebook is chock full of beautiful, gorgeous art and lore that that just kind of Uh, it's, it's the peanut butter and jelly in between the two, you know, slices of bread that are the movies. So it's good, good stuff. But, uh, I wanted to jump in real quick to show this character sheet. So you can see, this is kind of the default character sheet that comes. So you have just four attributes on this diamond here, or what are they called rhombuses in real life or something like that? Right. Anyways, uh, strength, agility, empathy, and wits zoom in just a little bit more here but these this is like what i was saying so you're going to have some base skill uh base numbers in here um that when you do a skill check you just say all right what skill am i using and which attribute is that attached to which is very familiar to most role-playing games you know it's there's an attribute that defines how well you do at a skill and the skill is like specialized training uh with that attribute And I thought that worked really well. I would say that most people use the close combat. They use the range combat, the mobility, and the observation. Um, We didn't really use a lot of the others except in very special situations. But I think those were the ones that were really made. So it really was just kind of a cinematic run-and-gun style of a feel at the end of the day. But you know, it's true to uh, true to what it was trying to be there. So, so you get a lot for these inside of these things. But let's talk more about um, uh, more about uh, um, the uh, the actual uh, types of play. We talk well. We have we talked about the campaign style, which is long, which we don't have a lot of experience in. You can do. They call it a space trucker's campaign, where you're just out there on the fringes trying to survive. Uh, there's a colonial marines campaign where you're actual soldier um, and there's a separate book for running campaigns in there. Right. And then there are a few others. Um, But uh, to your kind of, to your point, Dan, that you've been hitting on, I think, I think it's valid that this system might play really well for cinematic. And I'm not sure if someone is used to like really tweaking a character over time. I'm not sure if they'll get that with this, but it's something we'll have to explore. Kind and not every game
2: has to do that. I yeah, mean, just because happen. just because D D you can play a character for two or three years, who cares? I mean, that's not it. that's yeah. that doesn't mean that every game has to be held to that standard.
0: Yeah. I will say one thing though. If if you're playing aliens to really experience the aliens, like the xenomorphs, the face huggers, the chest bursters, the body bursters, like you know, the neomorphs, the black goo, the freaks, all that stuff, then you want to play cinematic. Because campaign is meant to emulate more of like what a normal person's life is in this universe, which means the aliens really don't show up that much. Like, in fact, yeah. it says in the book that sometimes you may in campaign mode, you may never you may not see a xenomorph for like several sessions and then you'll just get hints about something funny that's
1: happening. Mm-hmm. So it's one well, back to your comment, Jason, the, yeah. the xenomorphs and stuff are very deadly in this game. Right. And they so. Are, yeah. In a campaign mode, well, it whether campaign or cinematic, once you come up against those xenomorphs, somebody has a there's a high chance that somebody's gonna not walk out of there. Yeah. And if you're playing a long campaign, that may or may not be what you want.
0: Yeah. Will, so th- yeah. Th-
2: that raises an interesting question. Um <clears throat> and let's draw a parallel between the xenomorphs and let's say the Sith in Star Wars. I know Jason you're cringing. <laughs> uh, but basically you have a piece of lore that the lore is so specific. Yeah. And everybody knows what happens when that bad guy shows up and how dangerous that bad guy is and how how everybody's lives are in danger. Does that kind of put its does matching the lore put its thumb on the scales of game balance? Like, hmm. are the xenomorphs just too tough? Do they chew you up and spit you out? Does the game is the are the game rules designed around to make sure the xenomorphs are are the biggest, baddest, deadliest threat in, in the universe?
0: Yeah, I, I think that it is absolutely designed for the xenomorphs to be extremely the biggest the baddest threat in the it, that's there in front of you and it's designed to teach the players a really hard lesson really fast. Hmm. Um and it, it actually
2: which think, is run, right? Run. Yeah, which yeah. is <laughs> run.
0: And and you get players that can oh yeah, all right, here we go, clock and load and then the and then the thing like closes the distance across two zones to them in one move. And just happens to roll on the table the fatal on the six that says, you know, Mm. picks you up and bashes your head in. He's like, well, I didn't. Whoa. It's like game over, man. Game over, over, man. And then you give them a new sheet and you say, "Okay, let's try this again next time. You know, but uh, (laughs) but uh, so, yeah, I and that's where I I think good question. um, But that's why it's not a knock, because
2: when you sit down to play the alien game, that it should feel right.
0: And you need to have a mother that um, I think can pull punches to read the room and make sure the whole point of playing these games, as we talk about in all systems, yeah. is to have fun and and tell a really cool story, right? It's not just a you're not actually playing a game going for a high score here. Yeah. So I you know pull punches. Uh, you can you can. There's so much. There's two modes. I'm not going to jump too much into it, but there's two modes of kind of combat. There's like the hunting mode. And then there's the combat mode. It's called the passive and the active uh, side, uh, or the the hunting. So in the hunting one, you're actually, um, while the players are moving through an area, you as the mother, or as we'll just say the game master, you as the game master, you're controlling the aliens without them knowing, and the aliens are hunting them. And so you can kind of toy with the players a little bit. So you have some freedom there to... Gauge the players' ability to understand the universe they're in, um, understand danger, and kind of help the players learn a little bit about danger before you just, you know, have the, all the vents open and five, you know more soldiers drop into the room. And she, it takes some good, some good gming to make sure that happens right.
2: It, it feels like if you want an alien board game or an alien tabletop miniature game, those are out there for you. Yeah, you just want to get in and say this is, this is how how it feels to be in combat for three hours do it but what you're getting here is more like the beats of the horror story the horror component of the horror sci-fi which justin has talked about a lot where you ramp up and then you let the let everybody catch their breath and then you ramp up and then but you're on a slow incline to a major climax
0: yeah what did you think john about the um You know, about the pacing, did you feel that the, you know, that the, the way we played and the system had a pacing such that it felt very kind of true to the franchise?
1: Uh, I thought it did. I, I really liked kind of the pacing. Um, there were moments for sure where it was like, felt like crap was hitting the fan. Right. And are we going to make it out of here? Um, but then you know things would kind of settle down a little bit, or we feel like we kind of were in a safe spot. We closed the door behind us, gave us a, a few minutes of breathing room before we had to kind of you know move on or whatever. Um, but kind of, uh, I just wanted to make a comment about um, the deadliness of the xenomorphs, right? At least based on the experience of this uh, cinematic play that we went through, um, I feel like, and this you know for you, Dan one-on-one with a character like they are super deadly right like as jason said and it depends on what they roll and what they decide to do to you right maybe they're just going to come toy with you right maybe they're going to like do the fatal and like you know stick their mouth through your head right um but when in a group like if you've got a group of four or five characters you can take them down they're not impossible Mm -hmm. to kill right um but that's also a risk when you're doing that. Cause if they're within like engaged range and you start shooting holes in them, <laughs> you start getting acid down your, your shirt or on your face or whatever. And that does some whole nother stuff to you. Right. <laughs> um, so there's lots of risks. Uh, uh, and so it's definitely one of those things where if you're just going to run and gun into there, um, you're probably not going to survive too long. Right. Yeah. We
0: actually, Justin, uh, who's not with us tonight, but he, um, we had a situation where his character actually uh, uh, met their demise because of the acid splash yeah. of the Xenomorph. So this this uh, this um, uh, drone, which the drones, uh, the, the Xenomorph drones, which is um, probably not what you see here, but the drones are a, a stage of the evolution. Xenomorphs have a very fast evolution, right? And the drone is a stage which is before they've joined the hive. So they've kind of grown up. A little bit so they're kind of teenagers maybe uh if you think of it that way but they haven't quite joined the the hive mind yet like they're not controlled by the queen but they're still driven by their instincts to kind of you know go out there harvest people uh, bring them over so they can get implanted and, and that kind of stuff but justin had this drone right in front of him and i rolled luckily for him on he was right in engaged range with it he was like trying to hit it with a flamethrower, and. I rolled luckily for him. The one where it plays with it kind of plays with its prey. um, and in this one it st- it stood up. It stood look like a full two and a half meters tall in front of him. Uh, so he's he's down this hallway. He's leading everyone in this hallway. And so everyone sees this, sees his back and then sees this xenomorph's head just kind of slowly rise above his and <laughs> and he's standing like right there, like and he's he he rolls for panic and he's just standing there, right? So you think, okay, he's going to survive another round. Well, one of the other players says, oh my gosh, he runs down. Yeah, John runs down the hall and with his smart gun, just lays into this thing, like awesome shot, like massive amount of damage. Well, Justin is right in front of this thing. So all of that massive damage just acid splashed onto Justin and it gave him a fatal (laughs) uh, critical injury. It, like, ate through his hazmat suit. I mean, we were rolling dice trying to stop it, but we couldn't, man. That acid went all the way through it. Like, it, like, ate through an artery and, like, you know, and, like, metal was disintegrating. And He basically bled out, like, in a turn. Uh, it was, like, yeah, it it was like one nothing the, we could do about it. Nothing. Nothing you could do. Just because of the priority order, right? Like, yeah. he had already gone. Everyone else, only one other person could come, and they staunched the blood, but they couldn't be there to help him give him medical aid. To help with his death save because if you if you're broken if your health goes to zero you're considered broken if you're broken and you have a um a fatal critical injury you have to do two saves to stay alive and we were there wasn't there wasn't anyone else there in the round to help him uh and he failed it he failed the save he wasn't able to get the success so yeah that acid did a massive a number of damage on people um there at the end and yeah, there was a few yeah we had some pretty fun situations. I think at one point, John, you had like a broken leg and and, and a like a, arm, yeah, and a broken arm, and you were like leaning against someone. They were dragging you down the hall while you were holding your smart gun, like firing. You know, it was. Yeah, know, I was
1: pretty sure at that point I was not going to make it out of here alive. Yeah, <laughs> well, and you didn't, and I didn't, you, you I didn't. didn't,
0: but but you had a pretty epic conclusion, right? You were yeah. uh, you were sitting on the I think you were sitting on the ground watching one of a uh, xenomorph just rip. Rip Lincoln's character to shreds, yeah. There's an android in front of you
1: who character wise his character was like my buddy, yeah. right? And so I was watching my buddy, uh, get torn up by this thing. Meanwhile, the other two characters said, We're out of here, and <laughs> they just left through you, they left me, <laughs> right? Um, and I was like, What? All right, well, you're not leaving without me, so I crawled over to like the door of the elevator and stuck myself and my smart gun in the door so that it couldn't close, so that the elevator couldn't leave without me.
0: (laughs) <laughs> so they went up to an they went up to an upper level to try to call the elevator up off of that floor and john put a smart gun in so the elevator door wouldn't
1: shut and leave without him
0: <laughs> this is the fun story that just develops
1: right is everybody all these players are at their wits end like trying to get out of this play. yeah i mean at, at that point everybody was like i think we were down to like three characters or something and uh everybody was like everybody for themselves I'll tell you this about the
0: system, though. It is so easy to just get someone rolled in. Like, somebody died. Oh, yeah. All I did, you get these little, you get the, you're get you not going to be able to see it, but I'm just going to show you. Get these little character cards, right? And they have the entire stat block on the back, right? I'm not going to try to have you read it, but just see. In this, I give them that, and I give them a gun card that has the stats of the gun on the back. I give them these two cards, and I whisper in their ear a little bit, and all of a sudden they're back in the game and they're playing. You know, and so, and I did that with, uh, I think two people by yeah. the end had done that. Like, uh, I gave them one of them was like a Waylon Yutani officer. So all of a sudden their role completely switched. Now they were like kind of thwarting the players a little bit. Um, so it kind of, it really means people can keep playing the game really easy. It's, it's built to do that. So a lot so of So there,
2: there are expectations of player death it's not a big deal and you're going to be right back in with a, a side character is going to be your character and that will no longer be a side character is that is that explicit in the rules or is that something that you did as the GM
0: Um so obviously, most of these Mothership, uh Shadow of the Demon Lord, these lethal games, they all say find a way to roll someone in real quick if they die. I mean, if it's the end of the night, you know, do what you want. But if it's like if they die like an hour into your session, get them another sheet somehow real quick. So yeah. I think they built these games, these cards were actually for the GM so that if like... The players wanted to have a social interaction or they wanted to have a combat with an npc i could flip the card on the back real quick and say okay this this person which is ekvert she was a uh, weyland yutani officer it says uh, her strength is four her close combat is two okay so i know how to handle that situation really quickly and she's holding or you know an arranged combat is three and she's holding a m41a pulse rifle which has these stats so I could play really quick, but at the same time, when the player died, I just handed him, him these cards and now he's playing again. His role shifted a little bit, but he's able to he's able to just quick playing real quick. And I would only do that if it was like where we were. We were late in the game or we were near the end of maybe a, an arc. So they don't really care about leveling up. It's really just more about playing, role playing and playing. Um, that's not gonna be the character that they probably continue uh with or if so then we'll give them a character sheet and they'll take those stats and jot them down and go from there but real easy uh to jump back into the game all right let's do some final thoughts here um so um true to the franchise now this franchise has a lot of different a lot of different kind of uh directing style maybe not a lot but some different directing styles to it right with with Prometheus and Covenant And then there's the original alien, which is kind of like a horror story or like a ghost, uh, you know, a ghost um, uh, or or a a scary house, but in a spaceship, right? Um, And then Aliens 2, which is really fun, but a lot different than Aliens 1, right? Where it's just run and gun. There's lots of xenomorphs everywhere on LV 246 after the colony's taken over. Then there's Alien 3, which is a much slower pace. There's just basically one Xenomorph chasing them in the prison colony the whole time. Uh, and then Prometheus, which, you know, so there's a lot there. So with that, what are your thoughts, John, on, on what parts of the franchise this best represent?
1: I think uh, based on what we've played so far, I feel like you could have just thinking about like the original alien and aliens, right. Specifically. Um, I feel like you could have both parts of that. Like, I feel like the system is set up well enough that you could, if you wanted to, really have that really suspenseful horror feel, right? That you kind of get with the first one. Um, but then again, if you want more of an action, like run and gun, like you want to be able to have a lot of that, I think that's where the dice come in really well, and and that and uh, whatnot. So I feel like they've done a really good job with kind of building a system that doesn't get in the way but that also kind of lends itself towards giving you the feel of the franchise. And for me specifically, and we kind of mentioned it before, but those stress dice that they add in, like as you're going through the campaign or, or the scenario, whatever, you know, things are going to happen and you're going to take some stress. Right. And there are ways to kind of mitigate that a little bit. There are ways to like remove some stress here and there, but, it really kind of boils down to, am I in a safe space? If I'm not, then that stress is not going anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. And it's gonna build, right, as things get worse and worse. And every time I have more stress, that's more stress I'm adding into my pool, which is giving me a better chance to succeed, but it's also giving me a uh, a higher chance of panicking. And I found myself several times, I had like five, six stress, and, and in one case, I think I was raking a roll where I had more stress die in the roll than I had ability dice, <laughs> right? Oh, no! Yeah. And so, I mean, all in all, like, I had, like, eight dice I was rolling, but five of them were stress dice, right? And I rolled, and I succeeded, but I also rolled two ones on the stress die, so I had to make a panic roll. And I think that's uh, what, that's where one of my injuries, I think I lost my leg or My leg got broke or something because of something that happened. You fell down um, on the elevator shaft. But I found myself as a player in those instances where I was rolling five, six stress dice along with my thing. I was nervous, right? For the result, right? And it wasn't a, gee, I hope I succeed. It was, I hope something bad doesn't happen to me. <laughs> You know, Um, and so I felt like it really, uh, the stress dice really, for me, did that, like really kind of gave me that, that panicking feel that you get as you're watching the movies and you're going through those corridors, you see that slime coming to that acid or the slime coming down and things like that. And you're like wondering, crap, what am I about? What are we about to run into? What's about to happen? Is it safe? Right. Um, I had some of those feelings uh, rolling those stress dice. Yeah, very cool. Dan, so what do you It
2: sounds like the designers met their objective, which was to get the feeling of being in an Aliens film into an RPG. Yeah. Of course, you can only do that with a good GM. Sounds like he had a great GM, John, or mother, as it were. I don't know if I'd ever get used to saying mother. <laughs> right. I don't think I gay ever. Mother, would. Right,
0: but... Yeah, game mother. Sorry.
2: Game mother. The game mother? Is that like a dead mother? No, I'm joking. I... No. <laughs> For the next uh, Xenomorph Merit badge. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> but it, it, it sounds like because Free League does such a great job um, with the quality of their games, the art is just second to none. I mean, you've got a piece of art right up there on the screen and the production value totally captures the films, totally captures the vibe of what you're going for. That helps a ton, right? And you have, it, you have a, a, a dice mechanic that also contributes positively. You can do cinematic, or you can do galaxy Trekker So you can, you know, season to taste what what your RPG group wants to do. Because some RPGs groups want to do three sessions and move on to the next system, and that is a perfectly cool way to go. And some some groups only want to do 5e derivatives until, you know, in, in, until the next century gets flips over. So. Um, it sounds like it's a really good value. It sounds like the starter kit is amazing. I mean, just what I've seen you guys put up on screen on the starter kit looks like it's probably worth worth every penny. And you would recommend it, right? You'd recommend this. Now, would you recommend this, Jay and John, for a new uh, folks who are new to? who like Alien, the Alien franchise, and are new to RPGs? Or would you recommend it for medium-level RPG guys, people that have maybe played D&D in one other system, but they're ready to branch out into something new? Or is this something where you'd be like, well, you know, you'll get more out of it if you have more miles on the odometer than that?
1: I think you're muted, Jason. We're on mute, Jay.
0: Thanks, thanks. Yeah. I think this would be a great system to bring someone in that has not played role-playing games but yep. loves aliens yep. because it's a simple system. They're going to know what a D6 is. Uh, hey, you're just looking for six, man. Throw it and let's have some fun. Yep. You know? Uh, I think it'd be a great way, especially the cinematic, a great way to just bring someone in and say, let's play a game. Let's have fun. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you this too. We had, and this is this, I learned this from you, Dan. Uh, One time we came over years ago, we were playing a star Wars RPG and you had like episode four, just playing in the background. The TV was muted, but it was just playing in the background. And I remember thinking, man, that, that it was cool to just look back over my shoulder every now and then and kind of get that, that a little bit of, oh, yeah, that's the kind of world on that I'm playing in right now. So the whole time we were playing, we had alien movies running in okay. the background. Uh, and at times we would be playing and then I'd say, hey, stop, everybody look at the screen. And they
2: look at the screen like, that's what this room looks like right now. <laughs> <laughs> you, you all, I also fell into the moment of the, the movie being more interesting than my game. <laughs> with three players that are staring off. I'm like, bring it back yeah, in. Like, guys, what,
0: guys, do I need to turn the TV off?
2: You guys yeah, saw right. this in 1982. You saw it in 82. Come on back. Come back yes. with me now. You yeah.
0: know, but great yeah, game. game it's be good. It, it's totally worth it. You know, it's uh, forty five dollars. Um, it is shipped from. Um, if you're going to buy it off the website, you're going to have to pay shipping, right? Because it's not it's not a US based. But from uh, Europe.
2: Yep. But or you can, can get Gen Con. They've got a great booth there, and you can, Have everything. You can also get. I've seen this. Con attendee.
0: Yeah, I've seen this uh, starter set in many game stores across the country. So check your local game store. They might have a copy. Uh, well worth the money. Great stuff. And if anything, if you just, you know, the lore itself is just a lot of fun. So I give it a, I give it a, a two thumbs up. I thought Destroyer Worlds was a lot of fun. It had a, a sense of alien, aliens. It actually had stuff from um, Covenant in there with the, uh, with, um, uh, the Black Goo. And, uh, and you know, there's a name for it, but whatever. Um, and all the things that it can do. So there were, there were xenomorphs, there were neomorphs, there were, uh, people you had to deal with. There was the UPP, uh, unit progression peoples, the, you know, the United Americas. So they had everything from the franchise in this single box set that you could touch and highly recommend it. Had a lot of fun.
2: And that starter set is available on a certain, uh, online retailer named after a large river for 39 dollars <laughs> which is $10 off MSRP. Yep, yep. And it is on prime delivery.
1: Good stuff. Well, and to add to what Jason said about this, um, I agree. I think that uh, if you're a fan of Alien, like you're going to love this. Even if you've never played um, a role-playing game before, it is an easy thing to jump into. Because like, again, you're just looking for six you looking yeah. for one number doesn't matter you roll the dice and that's what you're looking for pass you know succeed fail kind of thing and it, it if you want to jump in you don't have to pick, you don't have to buy the core rulebook you can buy the, the the starter set which is a great thing like the starter set is awesome like there is so much cool stuff in it it comes with two sets both sets of dice the the stress dice and the the standard dice right so you don't need to buy additional dice or anything um it comes with pre-made characters it comes with a a little mini adventure the chariot of the gods uh, adventure which is like a cinematic uh adventure kind of thing it comes with a you know kind of a rule uh the rule book which is kind of really the the core rules like jace was saying there's not much more to the rules than what's in that book right uh the the core rule book itself you know expounds on a little bit i think with just really getting into the lore right um but the other thing I would say, too, is that if you buy it from Free League directly, mm. yeah, you mm-hmm. do pay some shipping,
2: which I but recommend,
1: you, but you get everything in there in PDF form as well. Yeah. For, the, the, for that price. Right. Yeah. Whereas if you buy it on, you know, in your local game store or, you know, el- elsewhere, you get the stuff, but you don't you would have to buy the PDF separately. So if you're yeah. really into the PDF of this stuff, I mean, and you could go to drive through RPG and just buy the PDF versions of this by themselves too, if you want. All right. So if you don't need the physical product, if you just want the PDFs, you can go to drive through RPG. I think that's where they have them up there. For sale. And it
2: looked like there was a lot of free online resources from where you were yeah. clicking through Yeah, a lot. that, that didn't require a, a coupon login to get access to nope, that. It's I mean, just you know. there.
0: Downloadable. Yeah.
2: And from a dice standpoint, it looks as if they are d sixes, and you could probably reappropriate any any standard d six if you know one is a xenomorph and six is a success.
1: Yeah, you're probably the, the, in good shape. The key would be you wanted to ha- you would want to have two different uh, colors, two different colors. Yeah, that's all you got to have, so you can tell the difference between your stress dice and your normal dice.
2: And if I roll something on a stress dice, is that going to counteract something on the non-stress dice? Nope.
1: Okay. If I roll a six on a stress die, that's a success.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and why would, are the stress die, do the stress dice have more xenomorphs on them or something? Nope. Or it's,
0: no. It's just if you roll a one on a stress die, you induce a panic.
2: You get a panic, but that, that panic doesn't exist on the black die. Correct. On the standard, on your yep. standard.
1: Yeah. If you roll a one on a standard die, it doesn't matter. But, and the yep. interesting thing, another interesting thing about that too is, if you roll a one on a panic die and induce a panic roll, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're, if you succeeded on your roll, but you had to roll a panic because of one on the panic die or the the stress die, that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't succeed in what right. you're doing, right? You just pan- the panic roll will tell you whether or not you succeeded yeah. uh, based on what happens there. Yeah.
0: Some panics just say like, you know, you, you, you freeze up or, um, some panics just say that you tremble a little bit. So you'll get a minus two until you stop panicking. Um, Mm. but, uh, but yeah, great game. Um, a lot of fun, highly recommend it for people who love the franchise and just want to get in and run and gun cinematic plays a great way to do that. Um, and, uh, just a little, uh, any final parting remarks, John or Dan?
2: I asked about the dice because I think people are way more... I mean, I've been playing a lot of games with specialized dice, right? And people get are much weirder about sharing dice now than they used to be. And mm. especially when they're standard dice. So if people can bring their own dice and they know they're sharing their own germs with themselves, <laughs> it, tends be, uh, it tends to be a stress reliever that never used to be as big of a thing because when we were playing these other games, everybody was throwing dice at each other. Um, and people love to buy their artisanal dice and and you have to honor that. And so having a game where you're not um, where, where you can leverage that is really great. Um, I think from what I understand, if if I was gonna buy the the board game, the run and gun board game from Gale Force Nine, which has expansions, it or does. if I was going to buy this, it's two different experience. A, 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 you know, a board game and a an RPG are are different. You're going to go through. It's a different psychological game. But it seems like this starter set is a super great value that would really get you into the headspace in maybe maybe in a way a tactical board game. Even though even though I'm sure Gale Force Nine did a really superb job with their game. Prob- and there's some people that'll only play board games too. They they won't sit down and do the yeah. RPG. Um, it seems like this is a really really nice addition to anybody's shelf. Even if you only play the starter set three times, you're probably getting a lot of use out of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. John, uh, I think the only uh, I mean I I really enjoyed playing. I mean I'm a I love Alien. Um, I, I just love the universe and the franchise and, and whatnot. I'm not really a horror fan um, in general, but like sci-fi horror uh, I really kind of love. Um, but it, so this was a lot of fun for me. Uh, i do I did notice um, or I, I did remember that I don't think we talked about pushing the dice. Uh, and what that does mm. um mm-hmm. so when uh and so i don't know if we wanted to take any time to do that and, told and, and the there was also the personal story cards and stuff <laughs> that were in there yeah there's a lot of extra stuff we haven't really talked about there's uh, even
0: more there's yeah. even more yep. But, yep.
2: yeah but yeah yeah i think the pushing the dice mechanic if you want to describe it really quick i do i do want to mention that uh A free league is working on doing a kind of an OGL for the year zero system. So um, how does that work super quick for those uh, people at home who are uninitiated?
0: Yeah. So if you, if you want to do a skill roll, you add those dice together, throw any stress that you want, right? If you roll the dice and you just don't get any, you don't get any uh, sixes and you don't get any panics, you just fail, flat out fail. You can decide I'm gonna push this roll. I mean, I'm gonna try, I'm just gonna try one more time. You give yourself one additional stress, throw that additional die into the pool, and then you can try again. So it gives you a little bit of more of a chance to succeed, but it also gives you more of a chance to panic. So I'm, I'm going gonna mull-
2: I'm gonna mulligan my other dice roll, but have one more. There's a one out of six chance I'm gonna throw a panic. Well, you can if actually I, because I've pushed. And how many times do can- you do you get to push?
0: You can push once, and you actually can decide uh, to push even if you succeed. If you want to get stunts, so oh. it's really you can push any roll as long as you haven't rolled a one on a on a stress die. So as long as you haven't panicked, you can push any skill roll one time, one time. and you can re-roll as many dice as you want. But you have to add in a stress die and give yourself
1: one more. So you don't
2: die. have to you don't have to pick up the good dice and re-roll those. Nope. Nope. You can keep those that- out and
1: re-roll everything else, adding that additional stress die. Yep. yep. That's great. There are yep. some talents, I guess you could call them. I don't know what the actual word yeah, is. Yeah, that lets
0: you push more than once. Yeah. That
1: lets you push more than once. But, those are exceptions. Um, yeah, yeah, those are exceptions to the rule.
0: Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I once again, great game. Um, And for those of you who have stuck with us and listened, just a reminder, right, that uh, if you're looking for some really good D6 to play this game with, uh subscribe to our patreon and our beyonders level you get a free pack of uh, six special edition tabletop and beyond d6 will be mailed and shipped to you and you're after your first month of membership and then uh we uh if you subscribe to the far beyonders category you get an invitation to potentially uh or a potential invitation to play an online rpg with us and maybe we'll throw an an aliens in there one of these times so if you're in- interested yeah. this is an opportunity join us on discord We can talk about uh, uh, these kinds of games and others that we really love to play. Um, And uh, hopefully we will uh, catch you guys uh, on the next show. Thank you very much for sticking around. Have a good
1: night. Bye, everybody.